0: Hi everyone, this is Aniket, welcome to another episode of A Little Life, a podcast where I explore the lives, careers and minds of interesting 20 and 30 year olds from around the world. This podcast is designed for anyone on the path of building a meaningful life for themselves. My guest today is Anvi Shah Tayal, a brilliant entrepreneur from Bombay who is working with her father and managing their family business. Anvi has a degree in Microbiology and Medical Anthropology with a minor in Entrepreneurship from the University of Michigan and an MBA from the Indian School of Business. I told you she's brilliant. Today's focus, however, is on the importance of the people we have in our lives, how we learn and grow from them, thereby becoming better people ourselves, both in private and professional life. Before we jump into the conversation, I want to let all of you listeners know that in addition to these podcast episodes, I've been publishing a short newsletter, which comes out on alternate Sundays. In that, I include a link to the previous podcast episode and a short introduction to the upcoming one. Also, three music recommendations with links, of course. If you'd like to receive that and stay up to date with the podcast and have specially curated music delivered to your inbox every other week, just drop me a message on WhatsApp or Instagram and I'll send you a sign-up link. And without further ado, I give you Anvi Tayal. I hope you enjoy. Anvi, thank you so much for doing this.
1: Thank you, Aniket, for having me here. I mean, our friendship goes I think over a decade now so it's it's fun to talk to you and interact with you like this so
0: definitely uh, so I thought we would start on a bit of a wide um, lens on just getting into the getting into the day's conversation and I thought we could talk a little bit about overwhelm so currently with work there's been so much new stuff that's come onto my plate itself um, there's almost... When, when i'm talking about overwhelm there's also this feeling of enoughness like you know enoughness in certain different dimensions whether that's am i being effective enough at work it's like i'm doing a lot of stuff or it's like i've put all this energy into work am i learning enough about the news or do i know enough about what's happening in friends lives um So there's all these things that come together with overwhelm that may or may not affect the work that we're doing. Uh, Is that something that you've experienced recently? Like what's that been like with, with your work situation?
1: Sure absolutely like i i don't know i think as people we are determined to a certain like we we set a goal for ourselves i think we i at least i do i i try to think that okay this is what i want to achieve with my family this is the kind of attitude I want to achieve at work this is the kind of attitude I want to achieve at like my own personal well-being my lifestyle uh, how I treat myself like and my body you know in terms of fitness Um, also creatively like as a hobby what am I doing like am I am I seeking uh, a certain goal in that direction and then also friends like am I am I doing enough for the people that I love am I am I there for them enough and the thing is that at this stage in our lives we have so many friends we have so many different multiple groups of people that we're close to through in in different stages of our lives and are we doing enough I mean, are we reaching out to them enough and I think all of these things like kind of like you know take you on a complete like spiral if you go through them on a daily basis Yeah. so I try try to sort them out and uh, I try to I mean I, I go into these thoughts and then I try to act on it. So uh, like if I'm thinking to myself that oh I'm eating too much candy and I am a little bit of a junkie and that's it. My binge eating starts at like 10 at night and uh, yeah I, I it is my guilty pleasure. So am I uh, when I think about my well-being I immediately think at, am I putting enough restrictions on myself in terms of my junk food. Mm. Of course I am working out and uh, i am like you know trying to to maintain a certain level of fitness but my junkness is is bad so what am i doing to kind of like counter that like mm. I, and then i go into an immediate diabetic thought so i'm like before it's too late like let's act now but then somehow like the little child in me like still every night like will go like to yeah. my candy drawer and like kind of like you know scrounge out like some like piece of chocolate that i've to have so yeah it's it's a fight I think it's a mental fight on a daily basis which is overwhelming in mm-hmm. the sense of the term I think all of us have a certain objective and a certain goal set out and every time we we kind of steer away from that you 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 think and then you think and you overthink and then you know sometimes you find a solution to that and sometimes you maybe postpone it for like Another time, and I, I see myself doing that. I see mm. myself like if i if I miss a certain friend and like you know someone is, like comes to my mind, I'll pick up the phone and like call and like you know say, "Hey, what's up?" like you know
2: yeah,
1: please. but I'm not so much of a caller i'm I'm more savvy on text, which which is which is why I guess uh, yeah it, it's a thought it's always thought. there's there's always something.
0: When you find yourself in those situations, right, when you fi- feel like you're thinking a lot about these things, I mean, it's it's quite a journey from realizing that you're feeling overwhelmed because that involves emotions of like stress and anxiety. Then it's realizing that you're feeling those things. And then, again, it might be you're comparing yourself to someone else in certain ways. So it's like if you're not doing enough, uh, it might be because you might have heard someone else is doing something. we have seen something on social media. Is there some sort of like, like self-talk that goes on in your own mind to uh, make you a bit more sure about yourself in those situations?
1: Absolutely. I take a pen and a paper. I write down things that are like, you know, things that I need to like, you know, change. And sometimes like I, I you know, those, uh, those standing figures that you make like one, one, one. And then
0: you like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so one two three four and then you four, cross it off for five. And
1: you cross it out. Like I, I like keep myself in check. I uh, I absolutely like try and like you know uh, think through things that I like want to change and I and I keep note of it.
0: Can you and, give me an example of something that you've actively worked on?
1: Okay, so I am an emotional person intrinsically, I am emotional with family, I'm emotional with friends, I'm emotional at work. And some of that time emotions is not important at work, you have to become practical, you have to step outside that 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 emotional connect and you know, think at the bigger picture. And uh, we are in a family business, I am a third generation entrepreneur. And it's very easy for me to kind of like get swayed with like, you know, a manager calling me up and telling me, "Uh, madam, I need this product, please give it to me. Like, you know, I'm desperate for it. And I'll have my father on the other hand, telling me that look, production is X we are already operating at like full speed. There is so little that we can do. It's very easy to be rattled by like you know, these emotional calls and these yeah. messages and this overload of information, especially during the last like uh, few months because of this COVID environment and being in the disinfectant uh, business per se. Mm. So, I mean, it has been overwhelming. So I kind of keep a check emotionally at business like am i on a daily basis like if i if i if i like steer away and like i have a argument and right now it's just mind you it's just me and my father at work where mm. where we're kind of like running the show of course we have people coming in like you know once or twice a week but like we're constantly 24 7 sitting in front of each other trying to figure out like what the demand is and what supply we have mm. to meet and it's very easy. I've realized to kind of get rattled by emotions, and uh, often enough during this time, I've kind of lose, lost my like temper and like you know gone gotten like uh, completely overwhelmed. Yeah. And it would be important at the end of the day to kind of like you know go ahead and make that mark and like know that like okay this was a bad day and uh, I have to like you know step out and having. Um, my father also there as a mentor, and I see him, and I see the person that he is. He's dealing with the same situations that mm. I am, and 100 times more.
0: Mm. Like
1: if I'm getting 10 calls, he's probably getting a 100. So it's important for me to also see and put in check. Uh, how he's dealing with the situation and understand and i have i have that role model in him like of course granted we we have a lot of different opinions and uh, we we do not share the same thought on many grounds yeah. but one i truly respect like i i think that he he kind of steps away from the situation and he loses that emotional connect and he becomes a little bit of a pragmatic person but he's also always optimistic so i think i love that He's always optimistic. My father is a very positive, optimistic man. Nothing rattles him. And, you know, right now we've been hit on all grounds, at least business-wise. Yeah. We have more material people, you know, jacking up their prices. We have our factory laborers being stoned before they come to factory just because of, like, the country being in lockdown.
0: Just for context, for everyone listening, this involves throwing stones at people.
1: Yes. Uh, like, yeah, and lucky charges. Yeah. And We've had like our German principals uh, be shorthanded in their supply to our to us for their product because of course Germany and Europe has been in a state of array as well. Mm. And, uh, you know, it's it's been it's been and then we have managers and hospitals calling us saying that they're extremely needy for product. And then you have the government telling uh, you know, putting restrictions on prices and, you know things like that. So we, we've had a lot to kind of uh, deal with and we've had a lot of thinking to do and think about what we want to come out as, of this as a company and who we want to support during this time. And I think it's important to keep your emotions in check at a time like this, especially. Mm-hmm. And for me, I've had to change that about my personality a little bit, at least in the last two months, more than I've had over the last decade. And I think Having that little notepad and keeping my emotions in check has has truly helped in you know like well getting my path straight and like helping me deal with situations on a daily basis.
0: That's awesome. I mean, it takes it takes quite a bit to even say that about yourself. Like I I am an emotional person, and this is where it might be a bit challenging uh, in day to day life. And then keep that in check. So that's really useful. I think that also takes. Like that self-awareness piece is quite important because you can't get to that notebook step unless you know what you're tracking, if that makes sense.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: I want to, like, let's, let's take a step back now and just talk about effectively the last 10 years since I've known you. We went to high school together since then. You went to uni, then you came back. You're working in the family business. You went for an MBA. You got married. And now you're running a disinfectant business in the middle of the COVID crisis. Uh, How how do you feel like standing on this side of that journey?
1: Uh, When I look back at me 10 years ago, I was very different. I think, uh, so I think if you remember me from BD Somani, I was still a little shy, a little, uh, well conservative in my in myself and a little bit of a nerd I think uh, going to the US was like my ultimate dream and uh, yeah so uh, of course uh, so when I was in BD uh, Michigan was one of my like pipeline dreams like it was like this school that like I I knew had like a capacity of like 20,000 students it was huge. It was uh, very up in coming with the sciences, which is what I was interested in at the time. And uh, I went to Michigan, a little more open version of like Anvi, and uh, was I, I am an innately like bubbly, happy person, and I. Yeah into like weird dance moves and I have and I used to be like this joke queen and like I would have like the lamest jokes that like you know like one could think of and I would like humor myself actually by asking them to people and they would look at me in like complete disarray and I would be completely cracked up so yeah BD opened me up a lot so I I give credit to my BD friends for that and Mm -hmm. well my cathedral friends for kind of sticking out with me for uh, for through through like through the time. But uh, Michigan, I grew and uh, I think uh, staying away from my parents, but having the upbringing that I did. And I do have a very strong upbringing from my parents and uh, Mm. a lot of values that come entrenched with my thinking and my uh, personality. And uh, at Michigan, I I use those values and I use that upbringing, but then I like became my own self. And like I became I was confident to start conversations. I made so many friends. I, I put my hands into everything. And uh, I, I tutored for the two years. Uh, I think that was pretty insane. I think at, at uni at uni i, I tutored uh, chemistry and biology to freshmen and sophomores during my like junior and senior years i also worked with a professor in a laboratory and uh, like you know we came out with a research paper and i worked on like mice and with all in, in like an actual laboratory like with an immune in the immunology department we were working on like a gene mutation of sorts and how it like affected lymphatic diseases and like i was this like hardcore science like nerd Mm -hmm. and like i was in biology classes microbiology classes organic chemistry physics calculus like i i didn't all the fun stuff all the fun stuff like at least to me and in the middle of my junior year, I realized that like, oh, uh, our family business is in infection control and I am here studying microbiology. So maybe mm. it's important to kind of like do like a minor in like in entrepreneurship. So I did that. And mm. um, but like Michigan, I think those four years and I mind you, a lot of my close friends were only boys like I was like one girl in like this group of like eight or nine boys and we would go to the library and I think you know like Rehan like one of my closest friends from Michigan and like we we would study and like sun like sunday to thursday we were in the library we would study till like 2 a.m 3 a.m and it was fun you know like we would watch youtube videos and like we would make fun and like I was not in any of the engineering classes and They were all in engineering at the time and like yeah like I would see them work on all this like technical software stuff and I would be studying like about like parasites and bacteria and fungi and like we we cut through the week like that and then every Thursday night we would go out to like this like bar underground and like it would smell of piss and it would smell of vomit and like we would party. Love it. Love it. And Friday night, we would go to like a, a bar more like a, in like the main street area. So a little the, more bourgeois. Yeah, like a little more like bougie, and like we would get hammered there. On Saturday night, Very
0: bougie of you. Yeah. Uh,
1: On Saturday night, we would go to like this theater and catch a movie. And on Sunday, we would go for brunch to the South Indian restaurant. They would have butter chicken with dosa and I would have dosa. And Love it. That was Michigan for me, and like I, I became really close to my roommate from freshman year, and she, she's an American, and you know she gave me insights into the American life, and I spent Thanksgiving with her, and I, and I had that little Easter experience, mm-hmm. and like I would, I would hang out with her and her family, and then I would have this like entire routine set at Ann Arbor, and I, I think uh, Michigan really helped me become who I am, you know, like, uh, I, I had so much fun those years. And like, you know, I became independent, I earned a little bit of money, I was not into saving at the time. So I would Often send it. I am a little bit of a shopper mm. so I would have lots of packages being delivered. But yeah, in its true sense, like Michigan was a great four years for me, and uh, I came out of it with like a BSc in microbiology and medical anthropology, and a minor in entrepreneurship. And um, and uh, the last few months at Michigan, I would often get into a conversation with my father, who would. Tell me that, like you know, it's important to uh, stay in a corporate environment. It's important to apply for a job. It's important to not come back to the family business. And uh, I would, uh, I would argue with him. And we would. Uh, he was not happy with me coming. home. Let's be honest. And uh, because because he's a man that thought that look, if I work with my daughter, then I will not be able to teach her the way a corporate uh, environment would. I need her to. Uh, to kind of answer to another boss. I need her to work under somebody else. I need her to understand the structure of a different corporate world and then maybe bring it back to our family business.
0: So with that long-term view of like learning... Learning and then coming back. And then coming back.
1: like working in like a Johnson & Johnson or working at a Procter & Gamble. Like go in the healthcare world, work in healthcare, get that experience, get those learnings for the three to four years and then come back to the family business and kind of like, you know, expand it. And at that time I was, uh, I was into like the whole research side of like microbiology and science because I was working with uh, uh, my professor in the department, but uh, I was not really into applying for like other healthcare companies. I don't know why it, I, my, my gut, my heart, my soul kind of made me like, desire to come back home. And I kept thinking to myself, like I'm a microbiologist. I want, I'm, I'm inclined towards entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And I see my family business in disinfection and infection control. So why should I work anywhere else? Why not utilize the time that we have learning the, the groundwork of my business Raman and wheel, and like you know like I think experience is learning so I kept thinking to myself why should I waste like I'm a smart kid I'm a very diligent I am Mm. determined Uh, these are my characteristic traits like I I I, when I take up something I like seeing it through so why not utilize my characteristics in our family business and and that thought that my father did not want me also kind of like you know rattled me at the time like why doesn't he want me to come back like why yeah. does he want me to stay in a in an outside company knowing fully well that i did microbiology and we're in disinfection yeah. like knowing that this was this was it like it, it makes sense that i come back yeah. and I, yeah, but i still fought my way through and i did come back and, so what
0: was that conversation like
1: uh Anvi, it's not that I don't want you in the business. I know that you can grow it. I know that you are capable enough to kind of take it to the next level. But why not gain and gather the experience that I don't currently have? I am it's in what the, your
0: dad was telling you. Yeah.
1: I am in the business. I am seeing it from a certain lens. I am doing it the best I can. Why not you, my my child, go to another company, understand their workings and come and like, you know, counter me on them mm-hmm. and maybe really change the way things operate like you need to meet new people which
0: is which, is, makes, which, sense.
1: which makes sense mm. and that's why it was a it was a huge mental struggle and as a person i've always uh, wanted my parents uh, well approval. how to mm. say it. like you know like uh
0: like all good indian children
1: yeah like all good indian children like we want our parents to kind of like you know give a stamp of like yeah this is okay so yeah. I have an
0: engineering degree to prove that as well.
1: Absolutely. So I think me and my sister both come from that, like you know, that that grounding. That like, yeah, mom and dad need to be on board, hmm. and uh, he wasn't on board. And uh, I would, I came back and I, I, I did my way. Like I didn't apply to any companies in the U.S. and hmm. I came back like lock, stock, barrel to, and I and I kind of like went and plunked myself up in his like company, yeah. and I kind of didn't give him an option to. Uh, to counter it at the time and uh, I think I made a good decision for myself I think the three years that I got working kind of like a minion to my father mm. it was uh, I would uh, my my aunt who works with us and she's uh, one of the ladies that I also truly respect and admire mm. she uh, would often say Mary had a little lamb because where he, wherever my father would go I would follow <laughs> okay. I would be there and uh, I think those three years uh, I worked on uh, key projects. So, our company is a disinfectant company, but we've got partnerships with different other pharmaceutical and medical companies. Hmm. So, Raman and Whale has been in the Indian market for about 30 years. Okay. We are predominantly a disinfectant player. Um, we are the ones that kind of introduced the concept of not um, washing with soap and water and we introduced alcohol hand rubs in the Indian market and we started the concept of converting surgeons from that basic you know scrubbing method to using an alcohol based disinfectant and uh, that's been our uh, entry into the Indian world and uh, over time over, over the years that the company has been in the market we've partnered with different players. Now when I joined the business but right out of Michigan. Of course I had no entrepreneurial experience and and mind you I did not have any business education either.
2: Hmm. I
1: was I was in a company which had like I had to do like PNL accountability for and financial state management and I didn't have any education in that regard.
0: So, so- Profit and loss statements and yeah, like all the accounting. Like I had
1: no idea. Like I never studied economics or accounts. Like I was a seriously science, science. You were
0: a lab, lab. Person. I was a
1: lab person. So when, so I understand when my father said that you need to work outside and then come because what would I contribute in truly? Like I would, I would, like of course I had to grow and I had to. Uh-huh. I had to mold myself to to becoming the person that I am today. And yes. those three years kind of gave me that. What I did is I, I took up two of these partners and I worked on their business with the company and okay. brought uh, how to promote their products more, how to market their products more, how do we become innovative, what different SKUs or like units or different mm. products that we can launch in the market, mm. how do we maintain our relations, you know, and how do we choose where to invest and who to, which territory to invest in. And uh, I I worked on that and uh, it, it I failed also. I think uh, the three years prior to my MBA, uh, the I, we partnered with a baby laparoscopic company and this is where I was going to. We, we launched the concept of disposable laparoscopic in equipment that we were promoting within like an operation theater.
0: What, what is laparoscopic again?
1: So uh, there are these instruments that uh, laparoscope. so it's not like an invasive procedure. It's a, it's a thin instrument that kind of like goes into your body and like you, you're able to to perform the operation without physically like opening the body. And like disposable skin staplers are like, you know, if your wound is open, you have a skin stapler that kind of like puts it back together and then eventually the skin stapler dissolves. Uh, over time and over the treatment, so we launched these two products in the market at the time, and uh, they failed miserably. Um, the Ramen and Veil name that was thirty years, you know, into like the the market. Uh, you know, I had managers tell me that they were thrown out of operation theaters because there was a gas leak in the trokas. And I've had people tell me that, you know, they send me pictures of the disposable skin staplers with blood on them. And, you know, I was this newbie in the business and I had, my father had invested in this uh, PB company to kind of diversify our range. And I was facing miserably, like the product product quality, the product assurance, it was zilch. And uh, I think uh, how we got out of that uh, and, uh, you know, through through a lot of like trial, error, like, you know, dealing with this and, and that made me very strong. You know, I those three years and dealing with this product range and the product failures and then having to answer to my father and the managers and the hospital people. And, you know, like it, I was going actively and promoting the product. And there you go. Three weeks later, I would get a call of a reject and it was like a reject on the manufacturers. Default and we were just marketing it and there was a Raman and Meal stamp on it So like we it physically involved in the manufacture of it, but we were held accountable on empty direction And here we have like a hospital taking crores of like value of our from our disinfectants and our antiseptics and uh, You have them like that threaten my manager saying that I'm gonna stop your disinfectant business because of this shit product Mm. So I was struggling at the time and uh, my team really helped me through it. Um, the, the entire Raman and Wheel team, uh, I worked with them very closely. And I think that has helped me now because I am a middle ground between my sales staff and my father. And uh, and I, it's nice to be that middle person mm. because I hear their, uh, their needs and their desires and their feedback and I kind of relay it back to my aunt and my father and it works well it's a it's a nice uh, communication cycle and I think if I didn't fail those three years and I didn't have the opportunity to call them so many times and have them you know like find a solution of how to deal with this particular account and this particular reject and this particular like faulty product I would not be able to understand them as a team and they would not be able to understand me. So they kind of like, you know, like I, when, when I started, I, I took on these projects and one of them failed miserably. The one that did succeed and the one that I, I truly cherish is me working with my father to put up our daman facility. At that time, we were upsizing and uh, we had one unit, but we wanted to make it bigger. So we bought a plot of land and just when I came back from Michigan was when he had bought the land and we started it from ground up. So now I know how to put like a ducting system in a factory. I know it requires an ATP process. I know that it requires a fire hydrant system. I know the costs that are addressed to these kind of, like, in like expenses. I know how to, ma- like, we had, like, construction workers and, you know, the typical, like, you know, thirsty for money, not doing work, uh, upcharging on, like, cement cost, And we were dealing with that. And we were going to Daman, where our factories are, once every week. And I would have that day to myself with my father. And I would see him, and I would see how he conversed with our factory team. I understood the factory then. And today, that understanding of my factory and our capacity and our production has helped me deal with this COVID situation and the up in demand and the the need to supply and the understanding that, look, our capacity is X. We cannot jump to 10X in one day.
0: Mm.
1: So, you know, that understanding and that learning that came in those three years prior to me hitting my MBA, of course, I wasn't taking... Well, management decisions, I was not helping add to the a of the company. I was not adding anything of value in terms of revenue or something tangible. But what I was learning on the on the background in terms of relationships in terms of like, you know, man, understanding my father as an entrepreneur, understanding my aunt as an entrepreneur, understanding my team as You know our staff and it it was a learning and I was sitting as like this daughter of the CEO and Mm I was just noting I would remember like having a diary and I've gone through so many diaries through the years and I would just keep noting down things and uh, that habit has not changed and uh, I would sit on the in the corner and just just hear my father converse in conversations. I would write his email so I knew how he communicated. I I understood, you know, I understood how he managed business. Mm. And I think uh, had I not come back and had I not, had I listened to him at the time and gained that corporate experience, he yeah. would have helped me in different things of life. And maybe it would have uh, changed my thinking in many directions, but maybe not in this one. Mm.
0: Right. So going back to, I mean, there's so many things to get into over there. Like, how did you, those, those issues that came up in those three years, like, how did you, how did you get out of that from like a company perspective and also like, like convincing yourself that it would be okay.
1: It was a struggle, Aniket. It was a real struggle, and I think Akash helped me out a lot. Now, to everybody that's listening, Akash is my husband, mm. and uh, yeah, we we dated shortly after during the end of my senior year at Michigan, and I came back. You know, to him, this uh, this girl that was fighting against her father and wanting to join the family business and he knew that I was in microbiology and he knew my side of the story. He knew that I was uh, extremely passionate about disinfection and he knew, he knew that I wanted to um, eventually help with the managerial decisions of the company. So he knew that uh, I was raw and I would struggle. So every day and especially during this uh, this fa- faulty product time, I would call him and he's been in the business for a while. At that time, Akash had a good, I think he'd been, he joined his family business, I think in the 10th standard. Like I, I thought uh, during his holidays and things like that, like he started work then. Yeah. So, uh, he had a little bit of experience and he had an experience in like helping me like think through situations. So I think Akash really helped uh, calm me down on the other side uh, during that time. And mm. uh, he helped me think through those uh, difficult decisions and helped me find solutions and not think like the end of the world. And mm. then I also had a very positive, optimistic father, I have a positive, optimistic yeah. Father. He uh, did not actually get rattled by this failure of mine, and uh, I didn't get any grief from him. It was more self-subjected mm. that I was failing, but it didn't come from him because he he said that I've tried many products on me over the years. I've tried. I've put my hands in nitrile crops, I've put my hands in injectable anesthesia products I have failed several times so to him failure was not an issue at all
0: mm-hmm. like it
1: didn't bother him that uh, I was struggling you know in this uh, he. He knew that, like, you know, I can come out of it. And he was fully confident that this wasn't such a big deal. Mm. And I got a lot of positivity from him and a lot of mentorship in in terms of how to tackle the business from then on. And uh, in comes another mentor during that time who was one of the persons that we launched it's the family member one of my uncles who we launched the troca business with so he was a part investor in this uh, company and uh, me him and my dad were dealing with this failure of this troca and skin stapler story in the hospital world and uh, i got to interact with this other entrepreneur who's my father's age thought like my father with similar principles but was yet different with his approach So I got these two mentors at that time and uh, they still stuck with me through uh, the last few years and I still find myself, you know, uh, now picking up the phone and calling this uncle of mine and like, you know, gaining his thoughts on like a certain product launch and things like Mm -hmm. that. So I got an experience of like, you know, while communicating with these two entrepreneurs that were experienced, that had run companies of their own, that had failed several times, that had launched several products that, were a challenge and they've come out of it strong. And they would guide me as to how to manage the situation. And they didn't, they didn't spoon feed me. Mm. They never, um, you know, did my work for me, but they would uh, push me to think in the right direction. And eventually uh, we came out of it. And uh, we, uh, we came out of it stronger. I would like to say I took a one year hiatus at ISV. Mm. And uh, then I came back with a bang. So, I mean, it was a great experience. I think it was a great learning experience. And I think today, if I ask my father, maybe he still thinks 50% I should have gone outside and worked. But I think 50% of him today, the support that we are to one another, I think he recognizes that that time was important that time to fail that time to kind of be a minion to him mm. that, that time to kind of just sit on the back seat and see him you know operate I think that 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 learning experience and that observing experience I'd like to say was important in helping me today and I think that's that's been that's been good for me to see the change you know earlier my dad would and my dad's a strong man, you know, mm. at work, like he's always, he's never given us anything on a platter, either. as my mom, um, he would, he would constantly like push me and he would tell me earlier before the MBA, it was, you don't have experience, you don't have experience in learning either. So mm. you neither studied it. So you don't have the education, neither do you have the experience. After my MBA, at least the education, like yeah, bit dropped, but experience was still the, the, the big question. Suddenly you still don't have the experience to, to deal yeah. with so yeah well I'm also changing and uh, I think the MBA really changed my thinking you know in a in a better way for the business I think uh, my father pushing me saying that look I'm not putting you on any director or managing real seat till you educate yourself until you get an MBA mm. so there I have it failed from the Trocar and the skin disinfla- like the skin stapler range, and my father telling me, "I will not have it any other way. You better go and get yourself an MBA." So I remember uh, doing GMAT tuitions uh, every morning before uh, office, and then I would go to office and I would come back and do GMAT. And to all those that are doing GMAT, I mean courage to you because that exam is a beast. Like I, I don't know, like it was mentally draining. To study the GMAT. I don't know whether it was because I was working at the time or whether I just my head was not in it you know and I would have to like I would push myself to wake up every morning and then like you know do papers every night and I was mentally drained at the time and kudos to Akash who I still believe in GMAT tuitions for me and did not truly really wish to apply to any MBA school but aniketi actually sat through four months of GMAT tuitions with me
0: that's like, insane yeah, he wasn't he wasn't even preparing for the I don't exam. know
1: like he he still says till date that he was preparing but like i truly was
0: so that cute
1: came to class for me And like, and honest to God, like I, I studied the GMAT and I, and I took a one month break from work at the time and I, I did it. And it was such a challenge to complete and Aniket, I'll tell you this one story. I had done my GMAT once Mm -hmm. and I didn't do so well. I, I kind of like choked in the exam and after studying a lot, like I don't go to anything unprepared. I'm a little bit of a nerd in that sense. I'll revise and revise and do lots of practice tests and then I'll only go into an exam. Sure. I studied and I went and I did pretty badly. I got in the 680s and uh, I was not happy with myself because I knew I would not get into a good MBA school with that score. So there I have it. I, I, I take three months again and I do it again. And this time I study it very differently and I kind of challenge myself to do it. And I did take some days off work to kind of get that exam through. One day before my exam, my I, my dad was at work. My mom was outside. Uh, she works at an NGO. Uh, hmm. So she was she was at work too. my sister's studying in America and uh, my daddy who's walking in the passage has a stroke And this, grandmom. My grandma and this is one one day before my GMAT exam So I quickly call my father and we rush her to the hospital and uh, like I'm like thinking do I do the exam tomorrow? You know hmm. that day and I remember it being a very uh, like a, my daddy was not out of it she was still in the ICU and uh, my father told me and my mom told me that no, I mean, just go and finish it off. Like we're here, we'll manage it. So I go to the GMAT center and I do well. I, I I think my mind was so occupied with my grandmom's stress that like the GMAT stress had completely kind of like evaporated. And I and I end up getting a reasonably good score. Mm-hmm. And uh, the next one month was like 30 days of like living in the ICU. And like, you know, me and my dad would spend alternate days. And of course, we had help from a lot of other family members, but it was a strenuous month. And then, yeah, I, I still did it and uh, I did well and uh, it took me to ISV and uh, I, I got an early entry in ISV. Actually, I applied and I got into that early entry option. So I had one year before I actually did go for my MBA after having gotten it.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, that was a pretty intense time but
0: that's insane it's like you just keep getting blow after blow and getting up and like your happy self again
1: yeah like i i think i'm surrounded by uh very happy positive people that have uh you know they they kind of uh push me they uh they level me and uh, mm-hmm. i i think i'm fortunate in in that sense and i think everyone has that i think truly uh, If there are people in your life that kind of pick you up and, you know, it's important to just listen to them, I guess.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And I'm curious to know whether this has any effect on it. Like a few minutes back, you were talking about uh, when you went to the States, this was still before uni, you were saying you you have a very distinct upbringing with certain family values. Uh, Can you shed some light on those?
1: This is my favorite thing to talk about, actually.
0: Okay, awesome.
1: Uh, I, uh, we did not have televisions in our room. So my family and I, would we would, we would have family time. And we would mm. sit together and after every meal, spend time together. Uh, morning breakfast, 9 a.m. was, you had to be on the table. Like uh, whether mm. you slept at five, whether you slept at six, whether you slept at seven, you can go back to bed. But at 9 mm. a.m., you have to be on the breakfast table. And breakfast in my family was a thing. So, like, um, I remember my dad telling me stories of how my grandfather would like, you know, open up the curtains and pull him out of bed, and my aunt telling me similar stories and honest to God, like, we've all been brought up with this like 9am, we have to be on the table and like nothing doing but breakfast cannot be missed. And uh, I think we valued each other's time in that sense. And uh, I, I, I think that those breakfasts at 9 a.m. catch up on the day and that 9 a.m. like you know touch base of like and and at night we would all get our me time but the mornings were always together. Sure. So I think uh, that was a very, I, I still to date will follow it uh, at home. Mm. I would, I would, I, I still to date will make it to every breakfast and my sister still to date will make it to every breakfast and it's a great uh it's a great grounding, I think. Uh, I would like to inculcate it in my family, mm. you know, tomorrow that, like, you know, we have this time where no one can come in our way. And uh, the children are meant to wake up and the food is meant to be on the table. And this is what it is. No one's allowed to plan anything. Mm. We have a rule of no phones on the dining table. We, uh, we try not to, you know, stick to gadgets when we're uh, conversing within one room. Between ourselves, um, I've always shared a very transparent relationship with my parents, and so has my sister. They've mm. been friends to us, but they're also parents. And my mom's also a sister. You know that like they they mm. take different roles, and uh, they've they've created that rapport with us that is a very free flowing. Like you know, I I learn from them, I grow from them, I can also joke around with them, I can also party with them, I can also like how I can also like tell them I don't want to be with you I just want my me time like it's a very uh, all-intrusive like relationship that we've built over the years and I I give serious credit to my parents for having done that because Mm. um, it's I mean I would tell my mom and dad about all the boys that like I would be interested in or like uh, boyfriend problems or I would tell them about friend problems I would I mean I there was such an open, like non-judgmental relationship that I shared with them. And I still today share. So I I, I think that, but that those values of um, praying, you know, like spending that time to, you know, thank. My dad and mom are all about thank you. Like when they go to God, they don't say, give me this, give me this, give me this. For mm. many years, they've been saying, you know, thank God. Like, thank God that you have this life. Thank God that you are living in the house that you're living. Thank God that you have this family, you know. And uh, thank you was a big, big part of my upbringing. And I think I'm always grateful and I'm always thankful. I I think there, uh, and then... I was allowed to let loose with them I'm allowed to I was allowed to get drunk I mean I've had my father visit me in Michigan and I'll shed story on this one night I had Mm -hmm. an immunology exam the next day and my father comes in for like this two day visit to Ann Arbor and uh, I I take him for lunch with my friends and all and then I say Papa I'm going to work now because like uh, so my friends were like okay so we'll take him out and we'll take him to a bar and mind you this is Rehan plus like eight Nine guys, right? And they take my father to a bar and they get smacked. And then they call me and they say that, like, okay, we're going to like this basement frat party. And I'm like, you cannot take my father to a frat party. Like, this is not happening. Like, right. I cannot, you cannot do this. And I see them like 30 minutes later, like outside. So I'm living in a house at the time and I see them on the street, like, waving their hands at me. And I'm like, oh my God. God like my father uh, is I'm capable of like drinking with him and having fun with him and
0: yeah.
1: you partied with him he's a little bit of a party animal
0: he does and like to party yeah
1: he does like to party so yeah like we've had that relationship and that's freedom I think uh, and that's a little bit instilled in my upbringing that I'm, I'm free to, to be who I am with that's them that's
0: awesome that's so so awesome
1: yeah, and yeah. So these, this kind of strong and and always touch base. Like I, I think the the freedom that they gave me. I think I would always pick up the phone and call them, and you know ground myself again when I was in Ann mm. Arbor. Uh, yeah,
2: those kind
1: of like and those kind of upbringings don't change. Like you know, I'm I'm still a Gujarati at Jain at heart. I still you know pray to the gods that I've been praying to for so very long. I still, in a moment of distress, like, you know, sit and like, remember about my parents and like, you know, go to that two or three minute, like meditation of like our uh, gods. So yeah, these kind of things don't change. I think Um, my personality will not change because of who I've lived and who I've grown up with.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I think... uh, These are just
0: traits that are inculcated in you That's amazing. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's so helpful in kind of knowing you as a person as well. Yeah. Fair. So now, uh, can we talk for a minute or two about business school specifically? And this is something that, like, it's quite interesting the way you talk about experiences learning. And that's something that I also believe something that i'm confused about myself is whether a i want to go to business school and that's like an internal dialogue of do i just want to go because it's what you're supposed to want or it's like that got that uh, outer worldly value of someone saying that you've got that stamp of this business school versus is it worth the price which is an insane amount like it's gonna take you X number of years to just recover that, and then you're gonna. To... So there's so many questions to not go to business school. Absolutely. Did, did you did you face these things? Did you how did you kind of think through them, and was it worth it?
1: So for me, I I came. I knew that I had to get a like that stamp of a higher education so the start to thinking for business school was that look I need to get a masters and uh, it was that like I have to run a business of my own one day and I need and, and I had not studied business like I keep repeating like I was mm. a science student so for me I needed that education also academically and I also needed the experience but moreover I needed the education mm. so I went to the business school with this thought that look it's gonna like kind of equip me and armor me for like all the business discussions I'm going to have in the years to come and I went with that I went, I switched back into this unbe nerd like I need to study I need to get A's and I need to like you know ace this, this business economics accounting world and I went to uh, ISV on that note um, but I do know that a lot of people that uh, my friends that came to ISV at the time they did come from a business backing and they did come from a business education business experience. And for them, maybe if you ask them today, it was not worth it because, uh, well, I mean, there's so little that so much more that you can learn, but there's also so little that you can learn, you know, in, a, in an academic setup. Mm. So people that knew balance sheets and new financial statements and knew like the basic corporate finance formulas and mm. accounting principles, like to them, what am I doing? But to me, ISB and the MBA was amazing. Okay. Like I learned so much, Aniket. I I read case studies. Now I went to all my classes, having done all the prerequisite
2: readings. Of course. And
1: I would uh, I would participate in the classroom conversations, and I had. I I read stories about Himalaya, and Procter and Gamble, and Bristlery, and Johnson and Johnson, and like ITC, and you know, honest to God, like, i enjoyed and I, I i studied with the help of all my friends who mm-hmm. were so i would study economics with my friend who majored in economics and was very like well tuned in with the principles i studied accounting with another one of my friends who was very good with accounting i studied operations with another one of my friends who would come knocking on my door at 6 in the morning to like help me study so i had friends that an isp kind of drew in these people that were all very ambitious all very determined, all very experienced and all very intelligent. Mm. So I kind of like, you know, piggybacked on them and I learned and I studied and I truly like I now I can understand so much more about my company. And I'm not just this business development manager that's looking at products now. Now I'm like, like an MB, an MD, and like I can look at the finances. I can understand the finances. I can understand the profitability statements, and I think ISB gave me that and that strategic thinking and that. Mm-hmm. Uh, just those discussions of having A people are not your age in ISP, right? You're meeting like this varied group of like people in your MBA that span between like the twenty-sevens and the thirty-fives, you know. Mm-hmm. You're meeting this different group of people and you're able to strike a conversation with anyone because they're interested in what you've done and you're interested in what they've done. So I mean like the discussions that you would have and the 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 conversations. And I mean, I learned so much in my MBA. I think my friends would all disagree because all of them came with a bit of education and they thought ISP was uh, not... uh Not worth its time per se, but uh, I share a different opinion about it. That's awesome. And I think coming from a science background and getting that uh, MBA experience and sitting in a business school classroom and well thinking through things uh, differently, I think that experience is uh, intangible in my And That's, uh,
0: That's really useful. So just for context, ISB is the Indian School of Business in Hyderabad, right? Yes. Uh, any reason why you chose to stay in India to study and not go anywhere
1: else? Yeah, I had gone to Michigan, right, for four Mm -hmm. years and I had my fill on the American edu and mind you, the American education system in Michigan especially is insane. I -hmm. mean, I, I had a really great undergrad education and I had my fill you know, of like this abroad experience. And I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur in India. I Mm. knew my base was always going to be in India. So why not Well, get networked and acquainted with Indians that are like, you know, going to work at different multinational corporations and different companies and, you know, have that connect and that base in India. And ISP gives you that connect A with professors, B with alumni, C with your own class. Mm. So for me, ISP was a no-brainer. I, I wanted to go there and I got admission, thank God. And you know, I went there. And uh, I think I it was great for me in the sense that I was one of the few people that had a family business to go back to. I was one of the few people that in the November placement, time, did not have to worry about getting myself a job. Mm. I was like, fortunate enough to have that time to myself to actually just go back to the books and study. And even then my dad would tell me, apply for a job elsewhere. Can you imagine? Like oh, shit. through ISB my dad would tell me, like, why aren't you applying for a job elsewhere? And at that time I was so And you
0: were tired. like, No way
1: no way because like if i didn't do it in michigan why give it up now you know yeah. now i was like i can change the face of the company like let's look at something different let's look a little out of the box
2: mm-hmm. now you
1: have the ammunition let's go to the market let's do things different. full throttle yeah full throttle. so at this point i was not stopping and yeah i came back from isb and two months into it he was still unhappy but then we we thought of something and We pulled it into the market and I think it's, it's, and now he thinks about it very differently. And I think I've gained my dad's respect over the years. And I think now I I still have miles to go and I still have a lot of more learning to do, but I think now I've maybe upped it a little bit in his book, you know, which is, which is good.
0: That's great. Which is good. Can you think about an aspect of your work um, that, that, what's the most challenging thing that you find about your work?
1: Well, it's a family business. I think that's what's challenging in itself. It's, uh, it's hard to step away from the emotions sometimes. It's hard to compartmentalize it to our house and living atmosphere because at the end of the day, it's my father, it's my aunt, it's, it's our family, you know. Hmm. And uh, it's uh, important to compartmentalize. And sometimes it's also very easily possible to sway, you know, in a direction that's that's not seeming fit. Like and where I, do
0: you find that balance type?
1: Yeah, like because like I don't want to fight with my father at work and then fight at home.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: My mom and sister into it. I don't want to fight with my father at work and bring it to Akash and yeah. our house here. Like, it's, it's such a murky night. When you have a boss who's not your family, you can, like, well...
0: Bitch about him later. Him
1: out and, like, you know, like, be, like, done with it. But here, it's my father, you know? And, yeah. and now, because of the MBA, because of thinking in different directions, because of launching my own product and the little bit of... Uh, a little bit of passion that you have for your first actual launch, and mm. wanting all the stars to kind of astronomically align together so that it succeeds in every direction. It's a very, uh, it's very easy to kind of get emotionally attached. Yeah. Um, I mean, I find myself uh, telling my father, why aren't we producing my B2 for people? I recently launched uh, a B2C version of our product. Our uh, company has predominantly been in the B2B world, uh, catering to hospitals and healthcare institutions. But uh, what I did after the MBA was to launch. uh, So I would get rattled with the question that, why can't I buy your product outside the hospital? And I would like never As
0: a consumer, gone, why, can't consumer a, why can't I buy?
1: Why can't I buy? Because you only
0: sold to businesses. Because we
1: only sold to businesses. So when I came back from the MBA and that's corporate and that's strategic thinking and that marketing kind of flame that kind of ignited and I launched this B2C version of the product. Mm. And uh, it, it, of course, it got delayed because of the wedding and things like that. But I launched this January and uh, it turned out that COVID the outbreak happened. You uh,
0: launched a sanitizer.
1: It was a great opportunistic time for me. And uh, of course, everything had to align together to kind of make the product a success and mm. hit the market right and hit the target audience right. And now, I mean, there are 400 players in the market. So, yeah. it's important to kind of stay distinguished. It's important to be in the mind of our consumers. It's important to let everyone know that there are very few products that you can trust and that are credible. So, for me too, I would, I would... I would often like you know ask my father during this time that like why aren't we producing my product like why are we only catering to the hospital business but he would remind me that look you're the you're a part of like the management of a bigger company your product is is a baby my 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 company is a beast your priorities right so I think uh, that has in terms of working being emotional less is something I have not aced as yet but it's definitely on the cards and it's definitely something that I'm trying on a daily basis to kind of step out and look at the bigger picture and you know not become so narrow in my thinking so that's important for me to learn I think that's
0: that's that's really cool yeah and I mean it must be so difficult having worked in that like on a management capacity on in a family business and given that it's India so many of our friends must be Facing the same challenges and problems.
1: Yeah, like uh, you know, when I now when I when we talk to people, you have such a different take on life because you've experienced it to some regard yourself, you know. Mm. And uh, now I understand, you know, like I, I see Akash and his family business. I see other friends and their family businesses. Mm. And, you know, you just have to keep learning. Mm. Through time, I think I've realized that you need to be accepting to that everyone has a flaw. You need to accept that. And then, of course, not take undue advantage that, hey, I have a flow. Now, this is what it is. But actually, like, act on it, you know.
0: Fair. Uh, Okay, so that's that's a challenging thing that we spoke about. What about something that brings you a lot of joy from your work?
1: From my work? uh, Mm -hmm. The fact that I've launched it and people are appreciating it. Mm -hmm. And I'm getting people and because we've been unable to supply the product during this lockdown time and the fact that, you know, e-commerce channels were off and... um, the fact that our fa- factory can't manage the over capacity, but people are, you know, messaging me that they want the product. When is it going to be available? Like you've done something so marvelous with it. I am so mm. dependent on it. I've had uh, people wanting to like travel across town to come to office to just pick up one kit. Yeah. So, you know, I think that that kind of satisfaction and the kind of, uh, the, the kind of appreciation that you get, I think that has been, it's been adding more fuel, you know, to, to the, to the idea. It's been kind of like reigniting, like so much. Like now my mind is like on overdrive thinking like, what more can I do? Where, what, what can we do? What can we do differently? How can we do it differently? And you know, um, it's, it's, it's really satisfying and, uh, I am, I'm very, I'm, I'm proud of myself for the launch. I think uh, it got delayed. It was supposed to happen last September and, uh, all's well that ends well because I launched at a time when people actually had increased awareness about hand hygiene mm. and a lot of my job was kind of done because of like the current
0: education bit and yeah.
1: then, I was, then I was giving a product that I know was tried tested credible has all the authentications and is in fact a fabulous product that surgeons and hospitals are addicted to mm. and now I'm making it available to consumers so i in that sense i i think it's it's been happy it's 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 a good it's a good feeling that i get of course it also uh, kicks in the feeling that oh i can do more and oh this is not this is just the start you can't like you know get so happy you have to like yeah miles to go but like it's nice to feel happy today about it
0: 100% congrats on that yeah uh, okay that's awesome Uh, something fun that I thought we could do is, um, if you had a bit of advice to give yourself 10 years ago, like the 10 year, the, how old are we 20 years? So the 18 year old Uh Anvi, what, what would you tell her or what would you advise her given everything that you know about your life right now?
2: Mm.
1: Stay happy. The world is not coming to an end. Mm. Continue following all your dreams. You know what you want for yourself. So stick to your gut. And like, you know, well, be thankful because you've got a great life and like, you know, you've got to remember that. So, yeah.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. And if you like, if you're listening to this five years later
1: Mm. from today,
0: What do you tell the 33-year-old Anvi?
1: Miles to go before you sleep, lady. You got to succeed. You got to, like if you settle, don't settle. Like you have a great skill set. You have great family. There is absolutely no reason for you to absolutely touch the sky. So get your stuff, act together if you haven't already. And if you have, I'm very proud of you. You stuck to your gut and like, there you are.
0: Damn straight. I think all of us should hear this five years later every day, in fact. Wow, that's really great. Um, is there anything that you feel I might have missed out that you want to bring up or mention? No? Okay. And any like parting parting thoughts or advice that you might want to give anyone who's listening?
1: I think everything, everyone, I, I truly believe this. I think everyone has something that uh, drives them, that keeps them in check, that levels them. I think everyone should strive to, to find that balance. I think it's important to level up your head in the sense that this is what makes me happy and this is what keeps me fueled and this is what I should stay away from. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important to get your me time I think it's serious, like you, you will catch me at the end of a long day, like just wanting to be with myself. And it's not because I don't want to be with other people. It's just, I just want to be like, you know, one hour to myself and I want to play my katana and I want to eat my junk food and I want to chill.
2: Yeah.
1: So I think it's important to recognize that there are things that drive you and stick to your gut. But uh, also keep changing and learning. See, like, I, I think it's important to recognize that there are people around you that have more experience, that that have seen world, the world in a different way, that have lived life in a different way. So tomorrow, if uh, Aniket, you tell me that, look, Anbi, I have, I have struggled and I've come out of it like this, it's important for me to also recognize and, okay, maybe that's a learning for me too. So constantly, like, to take from the people that you're living with, you know, like learn, constantly change. Like at at this age, I think I still have a good 10 years before I'm completely molded into the person that I am. So I have time to change. I have time to learn. I mean, I learn from my sister who's like, what, 22 every day, Hmm. the way she takes on life and her approach to everything. It's freaking fantastic and i'm so unlike her so there's so much to learn from her so like i think people need to be open to change and there are lots of great examples of lovely human beings around you so just take the good stuff from everybody and become like this great badass badass yourself
0: yeah awesome uh fair thank you so much for that i feel like there's so much learning I feel like I've learned so much about you that I didn't know in these last 10 years. This has been amazing. And your husband, Akash, is literally my oldest friend. So I have no guilt or anything in saying this. But looking at you two has been amazing. And you truly are the beauty and the brains in the relationship.
1: Thank you, Aniki. I'm sure he's not going to be very happy with this.
0: He knows it's true. He knows it's true. If you've made it this far, thank you for listening. I have to admit that I struggled a bit when I was thinking about the episode title because I wanted to make it relevant to healthcare or infection control. So I asked my sister for advice and like a ninja, she turned the question back to me. Well, what do you think the episode was about? I thought for a second and realized that it was all about gratitude and the people in our lives. Actually, it was about three things first gratitude, which is not just about being thankful. I think a secret power of gratitude is the fact that it's also a form of brain training that kind of gets us to focus on the good things. And it is a practice which tends to influence the internal dialogue we constantly experience. For example, When Anvi spoke about her product launch getting delayed or the difficulty in distributing her product due to COVID, she had the ability to say, no worries, all's well, that ends well. Second, family. The importance of people around us. Happy people, positive people, people who you are constantly learning from. Something I also realized was that it's a give and take. It's not just about I need positive people in my life, but also the fact that I need to be a positive, supportive, encouraging person in someone else's life, whether that's family or friends. And third is business, which again, it's all about learning. And something Anvi said really resonated with me, which is experience is learning. We learn not only from our own experiences, but from others as well. And learning via experience can sometimes be quite harrowing because learning through failure is not innately pleasant. But again, it is about the people around you. And that could be taken in a positive or a negative connotation. For example, either you have people who make you feel like shit for making a mistake, or you have people who tell you, no worries, I've made plenty of mistakes myself, pick yourself up, learn from it. I am extremely grateful for having people like that in my life, family, friends and colleagues. Again, thank you for listening. Please do write in with your feedback and I will be back in two weeks with another guest on another episode.